0: Tain podcast.
1: Hey, Ginger Otaine. Let me tell you about the Martech podcast hosted by Benjamin Shapiro, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. Episodes are 30 minutes, and he talks all about strategies and stories from world class marketers on how they're using technology to generate growth and achieve business outcomes. One in particular of late is unifying and activi- activating your customer data, something that we talk about all the time in customer success. So go listen to the MarTech podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of Gang For today, I've got Rhonda Keller, who is the Senior Director of Education Services, Community, and Internal Enablement for Customer Success at Aptio. Uh, well so,
0: done, Jeff. You got the whole title.
1: <laughs> I got it all in there. Hey, I was reading off of something. You know, it's hard to, hard to mess up. But Rhonda, um, I'm excited about today and doing this and appreciate you, um, you jumping in.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: So I always like to start off with a couple of icebreakers. Um, they tend to change based on seasonal, you know, time of year, yeah. what's happening. So, um, you know, coming up on the the holiday season, um, I think, you know, the, the big thing for me is is uh, I always look at like which holidays um, that we, out of what I celebrate, like which ones are my favorite. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday coming up. Uh, you know, love watching football, love eating food and, um, you know, maybe do something active in the morning, but really just having a nice lazy afternoon. Um I don't know for you, what's your, what's your favorite holiday? It doesn't have to be one of the ones upcoming, but you know, what's your, what's your favorite or go-to holiday for you and your family?
0: Wow. You know, that's funny. So um, it's a running joke on my team that I never know when the holidays are like uh, literally one of my managers has to send me an email and say like, Hey, Rhonda, don't come to work on, uh, on Thursday because it's a holiday So And it's a challenge because uh, part of what we do is instructor enablement. So we're running, education calendar. So at least someone on my team has to know when holidays are coming, but I don't know, man, like I just try to live my life. Like it's a holiday. (laughs) I will say that I, I like Christmas because people just generally around the holidays, whichever holiday they celebrate at that time, just, I don't know, tend to be a little bit more kind.
1: Yeah. A little cheerier. And and I dig
0: that. Yeah. yeah,
1: A little more pep in the step. Um, All right. Number question. Question number two for you, before we jump into the real content, um, you know, what's your, we're coming up on the weekend here, uh, we're recording this on a lovely Friday. looks like the weather here in Charleston is going to be great, but what's, um, you know, if you were, if Rhonda was describing her, uh, perfect Sunday morning, like what's your, what's your Sunday morning, go to routine, you know, do you, um, is it getting up early? Is it going to work out? Is it being outdoors? Um, uh, what's like a perfect Sunday look like for you?
0: Uh, it's definitely not getting up early. That was almost offensive. Like I had a physical reaction to that, <laughs> I mean, you said that on a Sunday. No, no, I'm not getting up early. So, uh, we kind of hang out. I have a 17 year old daughter and she just got, uh, her first job. So she, she works on Sundays. And so she gets up like early, like seven. And then my husband and I are like, Hey, keep it down. You know. <laughs> <laughs> And like then the we roll of out of bed like I don't know ten get some get some breakfast going downstairs. There, it's Sunday mornings have like slow TV like um like news shows the way I imagine they were I don't know twenty years ago when I was a kid. And so we'll watch one of those like deep dive sort of sixty minute style, but it's not. It's like I don't know Good Morning Sunday. So I don't know. It's it's slow TV. Like they literally end with just like here's some fish. And you're, <laughs> yeah. you're just looking at fish for like 60 seconds and that's my kind of Sunday
1: my uh I'll I'll uh you know throw my mom under the bus here my mom is like CBS Sunday morning is her like favorite show of the week I think
0: that's what it is it's it kind like, of fun yeah
1: yeah and it does that's how they end like every episode is like with some sort of uh like uh nature shot or animals or some I'm somebody doing something it. it's very yeah. yeah very common but my mom is like she might be. I think she might not have missed an episode in I don't know three or four years. Like she is there every Sunday morning. Like even when we're on vacation, if we're you know if she's here visiting us, like she's there watching it. So luckily, my mom doesn't listen to this podcast. So I don't think I'm going to get into any trouble. But you know, me and your mom kind of, are
0: watching that show. Like
1: it, <laughs> yeah. it's All right. Last last icebreaker, and then we'll we'll uh, actually dive into the content. But um, for you, you know, when you looked at. Um, when you looked at where you live in Florida, was that like a, have you been there a long time? Was it a conscious choice, but like, what's the, you know, for you, is it, has it been there? Have you been there a long time? Um, and give me like a fun fact about, uh, about Florida that maybe that you, that you know, or want to throw out there.
0: Uh, yeah. So hopefully not a lot of people from Florida listen to this podcast, but I, I always say like, I'm not a Florida fan, but I love where I live. So I live this place called, um, it's like downtown St. Pete. So it's not Tampa. We're very at, in fact, I have a t-shirt that says like, we're in Tampa. (laughs) Like, so it's not Tampa, but it's in the Bay Area and it's really progressive, really walkable. We've got great weather. So I can go out my front door and walk to 50 different restaurants. Like that, that's not an exaggeration, like uh, really nice museums. We have a dolly down here. I've got uh, a couple of theaters and walking, like proper, like theater, T-R-E, you know?
1: Yep, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like
0: classy theaters. Um, so yeah, I, I just love the area. And I, I grew up in a, a town called Lakeland, which is like, a, it's a cow town in Florida. And it's, um, it's about maybe 45 minutes from here. And I met my husband at Florida State, and then he was from this area. So we came back here after um, I graduated college and I taught high school for a couple of years. And then I was like, okay, I want to get into the, the corporate world, corporate education. And we found an opportunity around here and stayed ever since.
1: That's cool. Fun, fun fact for you. Um, one of our good family friends, uh, their son played Juco baseball at the down there. And so um, my parents have been down um, and they talked about how St. Pete was awesome because they came to see some games. And then my wife actually, she, she, um, she did one of her rotations down there at, Tampa's children's hospital, which I think is uh, really well known, but yeah. she lived, she lived in St. Pete and P- commuted down. She, um, she said she, she had loved it up there. So, um, a couple of, a couple of connections there. I have not been myself, but now I feel, I feel the need to, uh, after you just you check it. it
0: out. It's very cool.
1: Uh, awesome. All right. Well, we, uh, I wanted to jump into this cause I, we were going, um, we we're kind of on a conversation on LinkedIn or, we, you know, we we're going, there's some comments and stuff flying around and, um, you had thrown out there that, um, one of the big elements that you all have tried to work through um, at Aptio is just um, how to how to really use the community as a way to onboard customers um, and make sure that it's become maybe like the hub. I'm I'm describing this. You can correct me, but like maybe it's becoming like that center of the experience, so that um, I almost think of it as like your customer can remember one place to go and then they can kind of you know figure out from there what where they need to be and, and what needs to go to, but. Um, I think what tends to happen, or at least the experience I've had before um, as, a, as a user or as a customer myself is like, I'll get onboarding emails, I get a ton of links sent to me and it's I don't know, very dizzying. I'm like, okay, they sent me links in this email and then I'm, am I supposed to go there? Or like there's other, there's all these other emails and now I've got 20 links. I don't know what to do. Uh, that's the experience I, I've had before. And so um, what you, the way you described yours is it reminded me of like, okay, let's just give them one, let's give the customers one place to go. Um, and really make it the center of the experience, where they know they can go get, go there to get value, um, and then we can, you know, figure out the right paths for them after that. But at least if we can get them in there, it's like the the right launching point, and it makes it a very cohesive experience from the beginning. So, did I get that right, or how how do you think about you it? Did.
0: As- uh, some of it's aspirational, like the some of those pieces? I just think are re- it's a hard nut to crack for a lot of people in the tech industry because. So many platforms have core competencies in different areas of the customer's experience. And so we end up with like a platform for support cases. And then of course I work for a SaaS organization. So we have our platform and then there's multiple products inside of that platform. And then we have a platform for product documentation and then we have an LMS and then we have uh, our community. So I still struggle, especially because we don't have SSO across all of those pieces. And it's one, it's been one of my big goals uh, this year and it, we didn't make it happen. So now it's going to push into next year to just give the customer like one login, you know? Yep. <laughs> like, let's just be kind to people and yeah. not give them seven passwords, you know? Um, so, and I haven't gotten there yet, you know, for full transparency, but, but uh, one of the reasons that I like onboarding customers on community, and we have multiple products, so I'm not doing this for all of our products. It's in the roadmap yep. for all of the products, but I've started with um, some products that have uh, fewer complexities. And cool. be- because there's more, it's more possible for us to do like digital tech touch pieces. Yep. And uh, when, when we don't have uh, a bunch of like custom requirements in an implementation, yeah. right? So I've started with these easier to use products. And for me, the driver for community was certainly to give them you know, that one-stop shop. But like I said, I haven't really gotten there yet. To me, the driver is more about giving them uh, a community of customers that they can interact with to be successful. And when it's embedded in the onboarding experience, then it starts to stick right up front. It's not like, Go do your product implementation, and then you're going to start working with your CSM. And then when you get a chance, come check out community. No, right? We want yep. from the from the get go, get into this community of customers that are excited about the value that they're that they're getting for our product.
1: Yeah, I, the man. So many good points that I want to um, jump into just off that uh, good description. So the, I think the first one that you just laid out at the end is. Um, there's really a big change management aspect that you have to get your comf- you have to get your customers involved with and um the point that you just made i thought was a really big one which was let's start that early right let's start them and and let's start reinforcing that hey you should be coming back to this community you know mm-hmm. at regular intervals because and i always like to put it as well like um you know people will go people will come back to where they get value so if i go to your community and i don't get value it's less likely that i'm going to come back um if I come there and I've, I've come three times or four times in each, maybe I can easily navigate to uh, an article or navigate to a blog, or maybe there's a discussion thread that's really valuable, but like, wow, great. I got three awesome, valuable moments. I'm probably going to keep coming back because I just you know expect that now and it's going to become repetitive. And so I think getting that change management early on to kind of say, Hey, uh, you can get value here here's the place to come and we're going to make sure we can, you know, kind of get, get you into uh, whatever track or wherever you need to go. Um, but that type of uh, mindset shift for them is just really, I like the, like the way you put it, like, let's just get it started early because, you know um, I don't know for four months or six months into this thing and they haven't been to the community yet, you know, like that's not a good place for us to be. Cause now we're kind of fighting uphill. They might've already established other um, tendencies before that. Right. So uh, I thought that was a, a big piece that you just mentioned.
0: Of that yeah, process. You, you know, am I good? Can I keep? Can yeah, I keep no, sorry, go for again? it. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So to to that point around value, we also for these customers that have started onboarding on our community, we roll out the red carpet, right? Like that, if, if we if you'll just log in, then right on the home page it says, "Welcome Jeff. Here's step one." Right. So yep. you're not you're not guessing. You're not clicking around. It's not. It's kind of like you know. We do this in the in the community industry. We're really comfortable onboarding customers to community, right? There's a that's yeah. that's a that's a common practice. We're always like, oh, get your profile filled out, do your things. Yes, but I'm onboarding with the product, right? Yeah. So so my step one is more about here's what here's your appio team that you're going to be involved with. Here are the little pieces of information that you need. So I'm not bombarding you with this massive learning plan, you know, yep. right up. Just do this one little thing, and then if you do it, then you get to see your progress bar, you know, move forward, and you're like, yes, like, <laughs> yeah. What's yeah, happening?
1: Everybody loves that, right? When you uh, when you can see you're making progress, that that's another big yeah. um, uh, big element. The other thing that, um, and I don't know if you've seen this or how you've um, maybe thought about this, but the other thing, at least for um, for our customer community, what what I try to do uh, with our community manager as well for some of the early moments is also introduce um introduce more names and more people. And I know sometimes people say, hey, that could be confusing if you throw too many names, too many people, uh, which I get. But the reason I did that is I wanted um there, I've kind of made three distinct things. One is for, you know, we've got an education um kind of team and and we have a leader of that. And so hey, let's make sure we get their name in front of that person so that they can associate that. We have support, which is you know led by a great person and um who leads our global support. Okay, let's make sure that our, you know, they know that name and then um, you know, the last is our, our community, our community, like who's the community manager, right? Or that might be first, but you know, now you've got three names to introduce just so, um because I also, uh, I also think, again, you don't want to throw too many names and confuse the people and you have to go to these all seven spots. But I think when you also introduce more people, it shows the breadth of the team, right? Hey, we've got multiple people here who are doing things to make your experience better. And that's the way I've, I've tried to approach it is hopefully it, it doesn't make it too complex, but at the same time, we don't want uh, people to feel like there's there's just one person doing everything, right? Then you start saying, okay, is that really, you know, is that really happening or how's that happening? So um, I don't know how you, you've tried to navigate maybe some of those early moments as well. If you've tried to introduce people or if you try to keep it contained kind of, Hey, here's your, your one Avenue or not, but how, how have you thought about that?
0: Yeah. There's value just from demonstrating the breadth of support, like you said, but there's also value. And especially when you're creating these programs that are digital, that are tech touch, there's value in making sure that people are aware that they're are people on the other side of this, right? Like you're not alone with you and a chat bot, like there's humans that are here to help you. And it's really important to me that we let our customers know that upfront. And even when they get into our, uh, our learning track, so they do, we give them little micro pieces of learning and then depending on what their role is with the product, they may need to go deep. They may need to take a couple of three hour classes to really become proficient And a lot of our education is self-paced, but we make sure that they get an instructor-led experience very early in the process so that they can see a human. And if they have questions, even if they're posting those questions to community, they have more confidence that there's a human that's going to be there to catch them if they fall.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I actually saw a quote recently that said, um, you can't automate human-to-human connection. You know, like you can automate the things around it, maybe, but you know, at the end of the day, like you need to. Like you said, there's got to be kind of a person and feelings on the other end of that for it to be uh, a connection that's real. Um, so I think that makes a ton of sense. The um, I mean
0: for now until AI gets so good. Yeah, that's true, team, right? We run uh, a lot of jobs. But you know, for the next two years, yeah, you can't automate that stuff. We're,
1: we're solidified. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey Tain. what does it mean to be customer centric? Building and growing relationships, maintaining unique customer needs, and personalizing the customer experience are three things that come to mind for me. HubSpot's CRM platform is designed to help build, maintain, and personalize your customer's experience, and they've been releasing new features such as new payment tools like native payment links and recurring payments that directly embed into HubSpot's quoting tools, custom feedback surveys capturing feedback unique to your business and sharing insights with your team, a CRM-powered CMS, that means both your marketers and developers can personalize that customer experience connected to your shared inbox. You can also use secure customer portals, keeping ticket conversations going between customers and reps, uh, offering access to your knowledge base, and that can be customized to fit your brand, no coding required. So learn more about how a HubSpot CRM platform can help build, maintain, and grow your relationships at HubSpot.com. The, the other thing that you had mentioned earlier that um, I'd love to, maybe dig into and i i loved how you mentioned right you're you're kind of in the midst of rolling a lot of these things out which i think it um tends to be the case with like i know for me and a lot of our audience right you're kind of you're doing a lot of things on the fly you I mean you've got project plans and things right but you're i mean really you're trying to um you're trying to adapt to the situation trying to figure out okay what's the right approach um you're constantly kind of looking and evaluating those things and so you met, you had mentioned earlier you you uh, made sure to focus on some of the products that were um Uh, we're a little bit more straightforward or less, you know, less uh, customization or configuration Mm -hmm. that you really needed to get in there. And so uh, kind of how did you go down that path? And, um, you know, as you go forward, it sounds like maybe the products are getting more complex. So, you know, how does that kind of tweak what you're, you're looking to do?
0: Yeah. And it's um, anyone who tries to walk this path, the primary thing that I would say is make sure that the journey that you are trying to programmatized and digitized, make sure that it is standardized. Like that is so essential. And you can think like, you can think of course, this is standard. We roll out to 50 customers every month and we're, but really when you start poking around, what you find is smart people that are holding hands and ushering the customer from one set to the next. And they're all doing it slightly differently, but because like we, like many other tech works, really focus on hiring the best. And so our, our people will get it done. And if you, if if you get them all in a room and say, how'd you get it done? There's like 10 answers, right? Even, even if there's only five people in the room. And so you can't, you can't package that. Right. Yep. And I made a, I made a couple of runs out it, even before community where I was just going to do like a simple nurture program, like off Marketo. Right. So I'm going to, I'm gonna recognize when uh, when you have purchased. And based on that, I'm gonna give you like a drip campaign of information based off of your purchase date. Yep. And no way, right? Because even, even if the product, like even if the process is standardized, the customer is a person and they're throwing their own timeline into this, right? So I yep. give you the email you're supposed to get at three weeks. <laughs> Who cares about that? Everybody is in a different phase within, you know, uh, three weeks. So one of the power of um, our community platform is I can recognize what actions you've taken. So I can serve you information based on the products you purchased and where you are in your journey. So step one was making sure that customer journey was set and every customer gets the same journey for a particular product all around the globe. When that's done now i just need to figure out what those gates and milestones are inside of the journey and when you hit a milestone i know it in community yep. and then i give you your next piece of information
1: yeah so you're because i think when where you're going this right is um if we just re- relied solely on timeline of like how many days you know x amount of days since you've signed the contract. Um, you know, I might be going faster than the other customer or I might be going slower and now I'm getting information out of order or maybe I'm, I'm confused right. at like why I'm getting something when I'm not at a stage yet. So like you said, um, I think that's oftentimes something um, that people hesitate at is this idea of standard standardization, right? Because it sounds like we're trying to box everybody into the same thing. But really what you're trying to say is that there might be certain configuration steps or things that are happening for you to get to that milestone but at least we can recognize that you're at the same milestone as another customer. It's not saying that you are doing the exact same thing, um, or that it's configured in the exact same way. It's just saying, Hey, you've both reached this milestone. However, you know, however many days or the paths or the decisions you made to get there is on you. But now that you've made it, let's tell you about the next milestone you're going to get to and how, you know, we can help guide you there. The other thing that um, I've been talking about with um, a couple of people recently as well is that, um, I think sometimes, and this is you know just beyond implementation and in some of the early parts, you know, as I think, uh, maybe even early in my career, you know, sometimes it's hard as a CSM or somebody who's who's working with customers a lot to uh, feel confident enough to kind of push back, right? You kind of get into this phase where okay, the customer wants to do it away and they're kind of dictating to me, uh, and so I was getting into a conversation recently where I was talking to somebody saying, you know, we need to be um, conveying confidence a lot more in our communications in our style to say, hey we've got 1000 customers, 2003, whatever the numbers, 500 customers, and we've made them successful. And here's the way that we've made them successful. And there might be moments where you can adapt one or two things to fit your, you know, your timeline or how you want to do things. But, you know, we can't be full scale changing this because look, we've, we've made customers successful. We can kind of guide you and bring you along. And so I'm curious if you, if that's part of like that journey work you were doing is kind of saying, Hey, We've been really good at making customers successful by hitting these certain milestones. And so this is how we're going to bake it in and we're going to kind of convey confidence. Was that like a, a conscious aspect as you guys were going through that exercise?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, customers, while they certainly want to want to feel like they're getting a custom experience, <laughs> they also want they want to get the value, right? And they don't, they don't necessarily want to do it their way. They just want to know that they're going to come out on the other side of this getting value. And we do them a disservice if we don't take them down the direct path to that value. And it's like if you hired a guide to take you to a mountaintop, right? And the guy's like, "Oh, what do you want to do? You know, like let's figure yeah. it out together." No way, man! Like, you've been have you not done this before? You
1: know, <laughs> that's why so, I paid you. Yeah, <laughs> that is a really that is a really good analogy. I'm gonna have to steal that. Yeah. <laughs> that that is the um th- that's the tricky thing though, right? And I think that's something that you also learn as you go through your careers um, and you get more experiences is that that you start saying, Hey, you know, the customers that respect you at the end of the day are the ones where you push back or you say with confidence, Hey, this is, this is the best path for best path forward or like the recommendation of what we need to be doing. Um, And if you can do that artfully and do it well, that's when you start to develop the right relationships um, throughout it. Um, So you, you kind of mentioned, right. You, you're uh, using this community to drive that experience. You're trying to, for some of the products, these certain milestones, um, it sounds like you are bringing in data from different systems. And so, you know, how, how has that been navigating and trying to figure out, okay, what, what are the right data points to be bringing in? Um, cause I think nowadays, right. There's, I mean, we're capturing data for everything. And so it's pretty easy for you to kind of look at everything and be like, oh yeah, I'm just going to use it all. And then all of a sudden I feel like you get into a situation where you're like, now I have hundred data points and I don't know which one I should be going off of. So how did, how did you approach like, okay, uh, here's the journey that we want to create, uh, you know, how did you start then mapping? Okay, here's the technology or the, or the data or systems that we need to be kind of bringing in at each of these moments. Like how was how that process um, developed for you?
0: Just because uh, I, I needed the ability to be able to control all of the pieces. And because I own the community platform, almost everything sits inside of this community platform. So I do bring in from our CRM, I know what product you purchased. And I know that you're a customer because we have a closed community. So you can't can't be in the community unless you are a customer, internal or partner. So I I can validate that uh, you have rights to the community and that you have purchased a particular license and automatically create an account for you in the community and put you in the appropriate spaces inside of our community. So we have, like I said, we have multiple products. So we have a different space for every product. So I can automatically put you in the appropriate spaces, but I, it's not automated today to put you into that onboarding. So we have, we still have our, uh, what we call our um, like our, our professional services, everybody has it, right? Uh, yep. So our engagement manager and our consultant, they're, um, they're interacting with the customer. They do the first touch to say, okay, let's get started with yep. this. And then they drop the customer into this nurture program. Uh, cool. Onboarding. So when they do that and the customer logs into community, that's when they see right on their, like the top of community, they see the first step in their program. And then all of those steps. So I brought in that information from the CRM, but now I'm done. I'm keeping it inside of community. And the steps are, are just uh, noted in community. I'm actually using uh, like a demographic functionality that a lot of communities have to know when customers have gone through certain uh, milestones
1: that's super cool but uh, and actually I know you know and some to some degree like you said um you know you kind of have this uh this human intervention with your um, implementation manager your project manager who's kind of dropping them in but in some cases too that actually works in your favor because now the implementation manager or the project manager is having that first touch point before you're sending communications and before you're kind of and sometimes I've seen that right where you kind of have stuff automated and all of a sudden the PM is like, I haven't even reached out to this customer yet. Now we're confusing them because they're getting dropped into something that they don't even know about. So um, it also, I I think sometimes solidifies. The other thing that I've seen, uh, maybe this is part of that process too, is that um, as part of that, sometimes the uh, implementation manager can actually pick up people as part of that working team that maybe we haven't already had as contacts in Salesforce or drop them in. So we've also tried to, to make sure, Hey, if you see other people that are in there and you feel like they're going to need to be involved, like, how do we make sure and drop them in, um, so they're in the right thing. So, um, I think it actually works in, in favor, you know, in some cases, if we're going to have, um, you know, somebody who's leading that implementation for them to, to do that.
0: Yeah. Cause we're not, we're not trying to go. And, and really we couldn't possibly go completely digital and stuff. Yeah. Right. We need people in the process, but by having it all wired through community, we free up our uh, EMs or our CSMs because previously they might say, okay, uh, next time we meet, uh, review these things, right? And now that's not on the CSM. The customer logs in the community, they see sort of their homework, the things that they're supposed to do. And then the CSM can tell whether or not they've actually done it, right? That's like, cool. it's not yeah. its not like, oh, did you look at those links that I sent you, you know? And they're like, oh, whatever. really. Like, yeah. <laughs>
1: It's like nope. I can see if you've done this or not. Um, that's cool. the uh, The other part that I think is just interesting about the role that you have too, right? Is you you've got um, education in there as well. And so I'm curious. Like, uh, obviously, it sounds like you know you're you're kind of directing people through this community experience, and they're they're most likely, I'm assuming, but they're most likely consuming that content that your teams are creating through the, the community and through that um, that automation flow and some of the stuff that you talked about earlier. So. Um, How does the education team are they creating content based on those milestones that you've already outlined for the for the journey like are they just kind of solidifying that content and saying okay here's when. uh, Here's the best time for them to be going through this information to reach the next milestone. Um, Like is that how they kind of sit alongside the community and kind of make sure that those two things are tying together.
0: That's right it's a cross functional effort because if you're taking one of these onboarding experiences. Then you're getting collateral from my team from the education team but there's also like our implementation team has templates and collateral that they use with the customer and so we're working with them to make sure that you know they give us that stuff we polish it give it a sort of an instructional design kind of look and feel and then we serve it through the community so anything that like um anything that you would have to do uh there's you have to identify The roles within your organization that are going to be part of the project team. You have to give a certain data. All of that is driven through community, through this onboarding experience. And then my team is also creating content that goes at critical moments inside of the onboarding. And then they go, you know, education extends beyond onboarding. So they're also, this team, the way that I'm organized, I have a a team of instructors, a team of instructional designers, and then I have a couple of folks that are. Helping us with the infrastructure and making sure that customer they're like guidance counselors, right? If a customer is yeah. like, you know, oh, I can't enroll or uh, what certification should I go after, right? They're they're helping with customer service. So the team that is responsible just for instructional design, they are uh, they're creating content like seed content on community. They're creating for free education content. Some of it's in onboarding, some of it's not, and then they're creating for fee education for our certification group.
1: Very cool. Yeah, I like the, the roles that you just outlined too of, of kind of uh, the way you've, you've been trying to make sure you can build that education team um, alongside of that. What's your, what does your community team look like right now as well? Do you have um, just one community manager or do you have-
0: You are looking at the community. <laughs> team, but it is me. And I like it. it yeah, it's, it's actually uh, me and I have uh, one other person who is a literal wizard. Um, she can go and figure out anything and she's on that kind of infrastructure team that I mentioned Nice. So she like, she'll help me with, you know, uh, figuring out automation rules or demographics or stuff like that. But in some ways I'm, I'm like the world's most expensive community admin. <laughs> I, I'm in there like coding on the back end, but I'm also, it's what I like about it is I'm also talking to our customers. I
1: was like, about to say as that a
0: direct touch point that I have with our customers.
1: Yeah. I was about to say that actually, um, especially in the early days of rolling something out like this, like. Like you said, it's, this probably isn't the long-term solution, but for now, when you're rolling things out, you're getting them off the ground. Like what better way than to be in there yourself? Kind of, you know, are are these things hitting, are we missing the mark, um, and getting some of that feedback and knowing, um, I also think too, now you're, now you're in the tool and, and kind of, um, seeing how these things operate themselves so that, you know, you always, I always found this in at least in my career, right? You kind of want to do the job that you're asking somebody else to do um, a little bit. You want to be able to do it to some degree uh, before you kind of bring them in and and, uh, kind of know what needs to happen. So you kind of know the depth of knowledge, you know, um, you can hire that person a little bit better because you've been in their hands-on knowing the things that need to get done in the right manner. Yeah, I agree. Um, So the the last point, maybe just to dive in, um, you kind of mentioned that there's this uh, i you know this idea of, of uh, looking at some of these metrics regularly you know and, and trying to start building a picture and so um you know i know you're kind of still uh, pulling that that data together but what what has become um, kind of top of mind for you in terms of metrics is it um kind of knowing timing between stages is it knowing the completion or the stage that they're at like what's the you know, for you, like, what are some of the, the, I don't know, level one metrics that you might be reporting up? And then what are some of the the operational metrics that you're looking at maybe day to day, um, just at a high level, if you don't mind jumping into some of those. Yeah.
0: So we have, um, before we automated all of this, obviously we had individuals that were going out and doing it. like I said, they were doing it in a, a variety of different ways, but they're also recording their time. So we have a baseline of how much time it's taking from our our humans to onboard someone. And so when we get a nice um, data sample of people that have onboarded, which I expect we'll have by the end of this year, we'd really like to compare and hopefully what we'll see is that the time that they had to invest in just telling even the customer what stage is next or chasing them for the right template, all of those pieces, that should go away so one of the one of the big metrics is just re- reducing the level of effort internally for our customers. Yeah. And uh, and then, of course, we want to see or internally reducing the level of effort. And then we want to see for our customers, we want to see them get to uh, time to value faster. Very cool. And then on, um, you know, you asked about like information that I'm bringing into the community. It's not that much, but I do take information out of yeah. the community and uh, write it back to our CRM, and that goes to Gainsight, and so it's a lot of, um, it's it's correlation, right, it's not causation, but I can yeah. tell you that, uh, you know, customers that are more active on the community are more, are more likely to renew, they have higher NPS scores, customers who consume my education are more likely to renew, so we're just sort of triangulating all of those factors in its scorecard.
1: Yeah, that's like the, uh, I think the holy grail now that, you know, um, I think community has become obviously a, a, a big topic um, because of what's happened over the last uh, year in the pandemic or so, you know, I think it's really accelerated online communities. And so now I think there's, um, I think there's, like you said, there's like this, uh, almost this first jump where you're just kind of saying, okay, okay can I get some of these um, correlation or these metrics where I can talk about influence? Hey, we're influence these influencing these things um, while I'm building that long-term picture that says, hey, now it now that I know what I've influenced, here's what we have actually done. If I can uh, start to look at this at, you know, over longer periods of time and be able to dig into certain metrics. Um, one, one question, and I think you're at metrics related, and this is just because uh, it's something that we've, we've thought about recently, but um, I imagine you've already taken care of this because of the workflow, it sounds like you have. But um, one thing we've looked at as well is not only uh, almost like acquisition into the community, right? So, so um, we have a customer community as well. We've got, um, so we look at kind of percentage of, of accounts that are in the community. And then we look at percentage of contacts that are in the community. And so I'm curious if you've had, um, it sounds like your workflow, you might have kind of taken care of those, some of those things, but um, you know, do, are those two things you look at as well to try and make sure that your, maybe your sales teams or your implementation teams are capturing the right people and kind of getting them in um, to the communities. Is that something that you're also looking at too, to make sure you're kind of getting as many people into there as possible?
0: Yeah, you know, um, when I've had the community now for, I don't know four or five years. Um, so we have well, well before we rolled out this onboarding piece, right? Like I've had I've had a, a customer community, and I had it on, on my previous platform was Jive, which was sort of like an industry leader at the at the time before it was sunsetted. And uh, at the time, we would track a lot of industry specific metrics that most communities track around just what's the size of your membership, uh, how engaged are those members, and what I learned uh, at Aptio is I'm less excited about like the overall size of my community and more about the activity of our customer base inside of the community. Cause I could have a really large customer that's got 150 members inside of the community and they're super active. Right. But that's the one customer. And I need a, I need a picture of my entire customer portfolio. So the way that yeah. we do our metrics today is around number, uh, at least one account inside of every customer community engaging in the community. And then it's somewhat artificial for me, because like you said, our workflow forces them in to begin with. So I care more about like, not, did you log in, but had did you stay? Did you, uh, after, after three months, are you still in the community?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Are you coming back for like more and more value? Right. Are we, are we delivering value each time you're coming back? Um, Awesome. Well, Rhonda, I know we're just at time um, and this has been super enlightening for me. Like there's been a lot of stuff that you, I jotted down some notes earlier just because of the some of the things that you were talking about. So um, I loved how you were, you know, just the, the idea of trying to make this the center of the community, really thinking through like, how does this align to the customer journey, right? How are we making sure that these milestones are measured out um, and that we can get these things done? And then, you know, let's make sure we got the me- metrics to back them up. So uh, if people are interested in um, finding you or talking to you, Um, you know, I always let people plug at the end. So I don't know if it's, you know, finding you on LinkedIn or uh, if you're active on Twitter or other social accounts, but um, feel free to, to throw it out there. If you, um, if you're open to it.
0: Yeah. LinkedIn is really the best place. Uh, You know, just hit me up there. Rhonda Keller.
1: Awesome. Cool. Um, We will um, get this out shortly, but I'm excited uh, about this episode to, uh, to get out there. So
0: yeah, I appreciate it, Jeff. Thanks for the time. It was great talking to you. You know, I just realized that uh, we're not doing video and I was constantly using my hands. So hopefully
1: people can <laughs> I think hear
0: we're... my hand gestures and my voice, yeah. right? I, think,
1: I think it'll come through. <laughs> okay. um, awesome. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.